Hey everybody, uh, Eric from Hit Subscribe, and I'm doing another Facebook Live. If you're hearing uh, noise in the background, that's my son. Uh, I've got his bassinet here, um, but my wife has him because uh, he wants to eat. So uh, if you hear baby crying, everything's okay. He's just hungry. So anyway, uh, that aside, the question that we've got today is, um, what should you do or not do when you're starting a freelance practice? Um, so I'll dive into that here today. Now, again, caveats um, up front, just like last time, I'll, I'll get this out of the way. I am neither an attorney nor a CPA nor any number of other things. So this is not legal and or financial advice in an official capacity. What I am is somebody who has started, I believe, four LLCs in two states and had, you know, varying degrees of success with doing all of that stuff. So I have a good bit of applied field experience um, starting businesses, freelancing, uh, growing businesses, uh, including this one, hit subscribe, which now has employees, contractors, the whole nine yards. So I have uh, started a lot of businesses, um, gotten paid by a lot of people, paid a lot of people, etc. So what I'm offering you here is my take on what I would do if I were you and starting a moonlighting or freelance practice. And kind of like if I could go back, gosh, 11 years now uh, to when I first did this and give myself advice, it would be this. So what should you do and what shouldn't you do? Let's start with what you should do. Um, the first thing I would recommend doing is starting an LLC. I talked about this last week, but it's not particularly expensive and it gives you some legal protection um, and it makes certain pieces of accounting easier down the road. And I think it's just a good thing. Like it's a good life experience to have a business. Um, so definitely recommend doing that one specifically an LLC. Don't go start a, start a corporation. Um, if you are freelancing, you're going to want to do a single member LLC. I wouldn't advise starting a partnership for any reason. Like it's just you. Um, so go start that. It's not hard to do. And uh, it will set you up for a number of good things down the road. Number two, I would set up a business bank account. So once you, as we covered last time, uh, start your LLC and get your employer identification number, if you're based in the U.S., um, sort of your tax social security number, if you will, you can then wander on down to the bank or I guess whatever people do now, virtually wander down to the bank and open a business banking account. And I would definitely do that. Um, it helps keep your finances that are personal from being commingled with the business finance. Um, but I would also recommend doing a second thing, which is create a savings account in that business. And the reason that you want to do that is because of taxes. So this advice is going to be U.S. specific, but if you're not in the U.S., I imagine that similar principles apply. So in the U.S., when you receive a paycheck from your employer, there's all that tax that's withheld. So your employer um, takes that money from your paycheck, sets it aside, and then sends it to the government. Now, um, or your payroll company, anyway. Um, when you're paid as a freelancer, nobody's setting money aside. So if you came and you wrote a blog post for hit subscribe and we said we'd pay you $100 for that, we just send you a check for $100. Nobody withholds any money from that. You get all of it. But the issue is that you as a business owner are now responsible for paying tax. You don't have an employer to take care of that for you. So what you're going to do is this. Set up your checking account and uh, set up your savings account in the business. These are both business accounts. And every time you get money, if you get $100, you're going to put 30% of that into the savings account. So $30 of that 100 you put it into the savings account. Now, why do you do this? Um, 
It's to prevent you from getting an unpleasant surprise next year at tax time. So if you're moonlighting and you're making a you know, few thousand extra dollars over the course of the year, what's happened is that there's a bunch of money that you're going to owe the IRS. So you might owe 20% of $3,000, which turns out to be um, $750. So if you were going to get a $700 tax refund at the end of the year, now suddenly you're going to have to write the IRS a check for $50. And if you do a lot of moonlighting, uh, that number can be pretty significant. And so what you're going to want at a bare minimum is to have this money set aside so that you take that out at tax time. And instead of writing a check out of your personal account or whatever, you can take that money and use it to pay what you owe the IRS. So that's one benefit. And then if there's anything left over, that's your refund. Another benefit is that if you start moonlighting and freelancing significantly, if you're not having regular tax withholding, the IRS will come and say, I want what's called uh, quarterly tax estimates. So the IRS is fine with taking way too much money out of your account, holding it on to, holding onto it and earning interest until the time comes to give you your refund. But if you do that to them, they say, no, 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 uh, you have to pay us once a quarter because we want to earn interest on your money, not you. So anyway, um, if you can tell, I have opinions about that policy. But um, you could get into the situation where every quarter, like this is something I've had to do for years, every quarter I send money to the IRS and to the, um, whatever state I'm living in, in the form of quarterly estimated tax payments. It's a lot easier to do that if you set aside that money right when it comes in. So you just empty out that savings account every quarter, send it to the government, and you're good. So definitely set up that savings account and make sure that you don't get caught by surprise in a very unpleasant way with H&R Block or whatever you do at tax time. Uh, another thing that I would do when starting a new business, um, create an invoice template. My first one, like 11 years ago, was just a Word document that like, I probably downloaded from somewhere, and then I would essentially um, update it each time I would send an invoice to a client and um, save it as a PDF and just shoot it off to them and say, here's your invoice. Uh, in the freelancing world, um, this is the way that when you're not an employee but you're doing uh, business with someone, it's a good bit of record keeping for the business that you're working with to have invoices. This is a good way of recording that you're not a, like an uncompensated employee or something. So businesses will tend to want you to invoice. If you write for Hit Subscribe, we require you to send us invoices to track what we owe you. Even though we have a very set pay structure, we still ask for invoices. So even in situations that are fairly structured, invoicing is generally um, an excellent practice. It's going to be the way that you receive money. So get that ready to go from the beginning. Receiving money is the literal most important thing that your business can do. If you get nothing else right about business, uh, make it easy to get paid. Uh, let's see. So. Um, the other thing that I've written down here is to have a pricing or rate structure. Now, if you're going to do work for, say, Hit Subscribe, we have a set structure that we pay out for um, blog content. And you'll find um, that to be true in a lot of moonlighting situations. Like early on in my moonlighting and freelancing, I created videos for Pluralsight.com, and they had a set pay structure. So I would invoice them, but it wasn't a mystery. Um, like they told me what the pay was, not vice versa. That said, you're sooner or later going to be in scenarios where somebody says, what's your hourly rate? Or like, what do you charge per word for writing a blog post or whatever? You don't want to be caught flat-footed by that question. That's amateur hour. So you at least want to be able to speak to how are you compensated for the work that you do. I personally hate the concept of hourly billing, but if you're new and you're doing a commodified sort of work like software development or um, 
you know, user experience design or whatever it is, where you might like advertise your services at Upwork. Hourly rate is going to be something you need. Um, if it's something like the aforementioned content creation, you might have a per word or per piece price. Whatever it is, have that price so that you don't look like a deer in headlights when somebody asks what you charge. So that is something I would definitely do up front to be prepared for those conversations. Um, another thing that I would do, this is kind of like subtle and you might not think about this, but right from day one, I would make a spreadsheet for keeping track of clients and prospects, what's going on with them, have you closed this business, when was the last time you heard from them. Um, this is maybe not something you would get as advice from most people on what to do immediately with a business, but you wouldn't believe how quickly and easily you start to lose track of that, so do it right from day one. Sooner or later, this will evolve to be what's called your CRM, uh, Client or Customer Relationship Management. You might actually get some software to do this. Uh, all down the line, start with a spreadsheet, and it's just helpful for keeping track of like what's going on with your book of business. Um, you will be happy that you have that later, not for the least reason that um, when you're pressing, when you're in maybe a dry spell, the easiest way to shake the money tree and have stuff fall out is to reach out to people that have either been prospects or uh, clients in the past. So having this nice handy list of people that are warm and receptive towards you is a great thing to have at all times. And it gets really hard a year into things to be like, who was that guy that wrote to me about that thing that one time? Trust me, you think it would be easy to remember all your prospects, but you forget very quickly. So set that up from day one. Um, and then finally do uh, get the word out to your friends and family. There is this freelancing honeymoon that's gonna happen when you first start. Everybody that you know and are friends with and has goodwill towards you wants to help you. You're a newbie underdog story just striking out starting your own business. People will legitimately go out of their way to introduce you to people. So get the word out. Tell people what you're doing and um, try to make it easy to understand an elevator pitch because uh, keep in mind that you have a whole list of people that you know and if they can't easily explain what you do, it's hard to have what's called a Rolodex moment where you tell them, hey, I'm starting my own business doing insert gobbledygook here, even if they want to help you, they don't know what you do. So if it's, um, you know, like if you can make it easily digestible, like I want to create content about cars, then everybody that knows you is like, oh, uh, well, you know, my brother's a mechanic, like maybe that's a thing, you know, uh, you want to encourage them by making it easy as possible for them to recommend you. So that's uh, do. Now, what I've done here is recommend a bunch of easy things, but if you go back and roll all those up, these are actually going to evolve to become all of the business functions um, in your growing business, uh, assuming you're successful. Let's uh, root for that. So I have described uh, marketing, sales, uh, finance, operations, delivery, and, um, you know, I guess that's about it for an asset business. So all of those things will become the systems eventually for your business. And so I think all of those are important. I am a firm believer as we get into the don'ts in doing things that solve fairly immediate problems uh, given the amount of effort required. So like that spreadsheet to keep track of customers isn't really an immediate problem, but super easy. So just go ahead and do it. Now with that in mind, let's segue into the don'ts. Here are the things I wouldn't do when you're completely new to freelancing or moonlighting. Um, mostly, it's not that these things I'm going to list aren't valuable in, in many cases, but it's that they're easy ways to procrastinate and they aren't necessary. So speaking of which, thing number one, don't bother to make a website. 
a lot of you are going to disagree with this probably if you're business owners, but if I could go back and tell my old self anything, really not necessary for doing business. Let me tell you why. Because when you're a newbie to doing business, you stand up a new website. You know who's visiting that website? Absolutely no one until you tell them about it. Now, who are you telling about your website? Well, it's going to be mainly people that might do business with you anyway. So for instance, you've just put out the word to your friends and family and you think like, hey, I need to give them a website so that they can send prospects to it. No, not really, just have the prospects email you. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a website, like if you're really good at websites or you've done it a lot and you can stand up some kind of WordPress thing in five minutes, then you know, God bless. But if you're not familiar with it, don't let that stop you from starting a business. If people ask you, why don't you have a website, that's a simple thing to say. I'm waiting to build one until I decide what my niche is really going to be. Problem solved. Like That's a very reasonable explanation for not having a website. So if you find that somehow you're losing prospects because you don't have a website, then yeah, by all means go make one. But I think a lot of people overestimate the importance of having a website early on. Um, along those lines, if you do create a website, or if you're just describing your business, don't use the royal we. If you are a newbie moonlighter or freelancer, what I mean by this is if you go and create a website or you just you know start explaining what you do, don't start talking about how we here at blah, 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 believe this and that. You are going to look like exactly what you are, which is a newbie freelancer pretending to be an agency. You are not going to fool anybody by talking like that, I promise you. You're going to be the commercial equivalent of like dressing a baby up in a suit and people are gonna be like, oh, that's cute, but I don't believe that you're an adult human that works. I think you're a baby in a suit. Do not try to fool people with this, please. Um, it is perfectly acceptable to have copy, have a website, um, to introduce yourself as, I have a business doing this. I am a freelancer that does this. It is reasonable. Uh, do that. Don't fake it. You're not faking it till you're making it. You're just looking silly. And if I sound like I'm really chiding you, it's because I've made like most of these mistakes. So my first site that I ever stood up prematurely, by the way, I was just we do this and we believe in that everywhere. And it's just just don't. Uh, you're not going to fool anybody. Don't. Um, Along those lines, don't make business cards. This is another great way to procrastinate and not get anything done. And I'd say this before the pandemic. I mean, I don't know that in-person interaction is even going to be legal for the next decade, but like, even if it were, I, over the years, have put more business cards into the, like, the win a free meal at Chipotle bowl than I have given out to people. Um, I will say that if you're attending conferences or something, if you're very extroverted and you find that you often wish you had business cards, then sure. Uh, go make some. Don't do that before starting to do business. It is not something you need. Um, here is one that, you know, maybe for any lawyers in the audience will uh, get me excoriated in the comments. Don't have a contract. Don't bother with stuff like that. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, let me walk you through why I say this. So if you're a newly minted freelancer, then you're understandable worry is that you're not going to get paid. You're going to do a bunch of work over the course of a month and then you're going to bill in arrears, send an invoice and say, hey, over the last month I did like $4,000 worth of work. Uh, you owe me $4,000. Uh, that's a big risk. What if they don't pay you? So brainstorm, uh, you get a contract and you have them sign the contract and now they have to pay you, right? You'd think that, um, but like, let's actually walk this through game theory style with you and this organization. So you do $4,000 worth of work, 
and then you send an invoice and that invoice is payable in what's called net 30 usually which means that they are supposed to pay you within 30 days now in reality by the way clients often pay late so uh, you do another $4,000 worth of work while waiting on payment for your invoice. Now they're into you for $8,000 and your invoice is suddenly late. So I guess if you're really aggressive and you aren't worried about the client relationship, you could say, hey, uh, your invoice is late. I'm gonna stop doing any more work for you. But you probably won't do that, um, especially because that might anger them and then you worry about getting paid. So you go along another month, they're into you for $12,000 and you still haven't gotten paid. So at this point, maybe you start to really worry. Good thing you've got that contract, right? You present it to them and you say, hey, I've got a contract, you have to pay me. Now, let's say that they just ignore that. What do you think happens next? What do you do? Your magic contract spell hasn't worked. Uh, so maybe you hire a lawyer and the lawyer sends them a nasty gram saying that they have to pay. Well, great, they owe you $12,000. You've just spent a thousand of it on a lawyer and that lawyer has sent them a letter. Now the next thing that they do is they ignore your lawyer. What do you do next? Do you get your lawyer to go take them to trial and spend thousands of dollars? So here's the thing, when it really boils down to it, if a company is serious about stiffing you, your contract is not going to be even the slightest deterrent. They just, that's not going to be a significant issue for them. They will just forever not pay you until eventually you run out of money trying to get them to pay you. What you'll probably do with anything is send them to collections and then be lucky if you get maybe a quarter of what they owe you. Probably not. So that's the realistic scenario that plays out. There are all kinds of ways to mitigate that risk that I just described. Upfront payment, deposits, do a small engagement before uh, going on some kind of indefinite arrears retainer. Only do business with larger companies. There's so many ways to mitigate that risk. Don't bother with a contract. It's again, you're gonna look like the royal we, like I've got this contract. Honestly, most of the companies that are gonna hire you into more structured engagements to begin with are going to have a contract for you. And so they're actually going to take care of a lot of that worry for you because they're going to agree in a master services agreement what the payment terms for you are large companies that you're going to do business with they don't want to stiff you it's not good business so just forget it like don't bother drawing up a contract like that it's not going to be enforceable it's not going to do anything for you and um, it's probably not really going to be a worry um, the last thing i'll close with is something that unlike everything i've listed so far which you probably eventually do want to do uh, contracts legal uh, website sooner or later you'll do all that stuff just don't procrastinate on it um, this is something i would never recommend doing don't annoy or spam people, even if you feel like you're desperate for business out of the gate. Go off on your own unless you've been laid off or something and you're kind of in desperation mode. Build a runway first. Go off on your own. Sure, let people know what you're doing. Don't spam your friends and family. Don't go make a nuisance of yourself. It is just not a good long play. You're going to build ill will, burn your network, and it probably won't work anyway. So if in the early going you are having a lot of trouble getting business, the solution isn't to grind harder at spamming people. You're probably doing something wrong. So reevaluate your practice, your rates or something. Maybe get um, some advice from a friend or mentor or what have you about how you could tune it. Because if you get little traction in the beginning, yeah, it could be a sign that you just need to grind harder. But more likely, it's a sign that you're positioned wrong somehow. Uh, so yeah, those are the do's and don'ts um, from my years of experience, applied field experience. Uh, Again, not legal, official CPA advice or whatever, uh, just kind of pragmatic stuff. So 
Hopefully that has been useful and I'm going to keep going with this series. So if you want to comment on this video, if there's something you're curious about and would want me to address, uh, please feel free to do that or, you know, send me a DM or I don't know, message, hit subscribe. It's on the hit subscribe YouTube or uh, Facebook. Well, both. Anyway, reach out, feel free to ask questions and I will catch you next time.